This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Conversations. I'm Charles, and he's Charles. And this... <laughs> Who are you? This is Pat, <laughs> and this is episode 34. The attack of the droids has ravaged the clone army. Seven five six seven. We've arrived on Christophsis, the new front against the Seppies. Me and my brothers, Fives, Echo, Wolf, Gregor, Commander Cody, and the Jedi Generals, Kenobi and Skywalker, and Padawan Tano. I foresee great things from her, and predict a victory for the Republic. End report. That seems to be a transmission from Captain Rex. Yes! The Clone Army! The Clone Army! (laughs) Wow, okay. So, uh, this is the Rex episode. Woohoo! Rex! <laughs> the best. And it's near and dear to your heart, of course. Yes. And, uh, and who all was. Of ours. Yes. And, uh, who was that, uh, doing that, uh, Rex voice? That doesn't sound familiar, actually. It sounds a bit different. It does. Uh, that, this marks. Hey, Mark. <laughs> the first, um, official Charles opener. <sighs> I'd like to thank the Academy and um, apologize to uh, Dee Bradley Baker. (laughs) (laughs) I've butchered your character. (laughs) You spent many a year perfecting that voice, and I have trashed it quite quickly. (laughs) I've undone all the good you've done. Uh, Oh, man. Uh, But, yeah, that was um, something that I knew that... I wanted, as soon as you had mentioned a uh, Rex-centric episode, um, that I wanted your intro on that one. Well, thank you very much. It was fun, and uh, thank you for your help with that. And yeah, Rex is uh, quite close to my heart, and not just because I uh, match his look and feel uh, through cosplay, but he's uh, (laughs) quite the character and a strong influence on not just the the clone army but also ahsoka tano and they have a special relationship and uh you know we've even had a special relationship with me and emily your daughter when we cosplayed and when we went to galaxy's edge and it was fun to have that pairing and it was uh it was a special time and he's a cool character and quite deep too when you when you sort of stop and think about it and how far and how wide he's gone into the star wars lore yeah, I think that uh, we've we've spoken about this several several times. Um, uh, all three of our listeners are sure to tune out on this one, but we've um, we've mentioned the the supplemental material that has enriched the prequel era, and he's not really much of anything in the in the prequel films. Right. No. Absolutely. But such a rich and and deep and influential character through the Clone Wars and um, it's really cool to to get to know 
such a such a cool clone you know because you you seeing the films you just look at them as faceless troops right and apart and from Cody yeah it, apart from Cody right yes yeah well even even Cody to a certain extent he's like the connection between the Jedi and the troops right and that's it the that's one it. named like the one named yeah. clone right and he's yeah. got the yellow markings just like the sort of the commander uh, droid army um, right. droids you know so there's a color marking yeah. difference and the rest of them are mostly just the um, the clone uh, armor and the rest of them are nameless and obviously faceless you know they're just like you know fodder for cannons or uh, uh, blasters. blasters yeah sure yeah, yeah. 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 And that's what's what's so great about this show is is the the voice is the same, the general appearance is the same, but they've got distinctive haircuts, scars, manners of speaking, mm-hmm. and and their their armors are personalized because they they are humanized mm-hmm. and tattoos too, I mean, even yes. down to the tattoo, which is fantastic to think about. Yeah. So. Um, you know, this is uh, mostly um, animation-driven because his uh, character arc is really strengthened through that medium. Yep, and through two animated series and potentially a live-action film or a movie uh, or, well, TV show uh, in The Mandalorian. Who knows? We're not sure, but we'll get to that for sure. Um, but yeah, talk about a starting point for a character that seemingly had a name and was one of many... Uh, obviously many clones, but ended up being one of the most influential and important clones to one Ahsoka Tano. And even through not just the end of the Clone Wars, but also um, through Rebels. And we're going to explore yes. all of that. And it's fantastic. I love it so much. Um, yeah. It's um, it's really easy to talk about the characters that everybody knows and loves and you know, just kind of shed new light on them. But I think it's really interesting to explore these these other characters that are maybe and um, you know maybe people can learn a thing or two. Right. Because we do educate from time to time. Especially me. Not often. <laughs> well, I mean, if any learning could uh, take place there, jury's um, still out. Well, learning, um, yes, but absorption. Eh, we're not sure about that part. Uh, well, hmm, I don't know. His head, his head's thicker than a Gundark's ears, and bigger, uh, bigger, bigger than the width of a Gundark's ears. That's true. Yes, um, I do have a big head. Well, it's perfectly Cad Bane size. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know what they say: big head, big toques. Big toques. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh man. So, um. You have recently started watching the Clone Wars in chronological order. Yeah, because, you know, when I fell asleep watching the Clone Wars movie. (laughs) I wasn't going to bring it up. (laughs) Well, here it is. Here it is. Yeah. So, albeit late at night, one Friday night probably, we started watching the Clone Wars. And this was my introduction to the clone wars proper and the animated series as you at your behest and thankfully we i did do that because it was fantastic but at the time it was it was some on my radar as important star wars to do but um wasn't in my wheelhouse 
and we started watching the theatrical release or the first four episodes sort of stitched together. So we watched those and it presented a story and uh, uh, a scenario, what was going on. And then we jumped into the Clone Wars, which were at the time on Netflix. So we just started watching them in, in uh, episode order as as presented in Netflix. Release order. Yeah. Release order, yes. But we then found out that the way they were presented within Netflix weren't actually wasn't actually the chronological order of the story. And the story itself jumped around and moved back and forth and... Uh, like you said recently, you said, you know, almost as flashbacks to uh, to emphasize the story or bring up different parts of a story. But they weren't exactly presented that way. They were just presented as story arcs within, you know, season three versus season one. So when we started talking about doing the Captain Rex episode, I figured maybe it'd be a good time to go back and sort of see the origin of the character in chronological order. So we first see Captain Rex in the theatrical release. He shows up, not a major character, but he's there, and you see him. Doesn't really hit home as uh, how important he uh, was to become. But when we talk about the chronological order, um, which was the hidden enemy in Season 1, Episode 16, um, you see Captain Rex as a pivotal character who's leading multiple clones and is working with general uh, skywalker yeah you know and they're in the north tower and and uh, obi-wan is in the south tower and they need to sort of come together and and suddenly you know somehow they're always being ambushed and so you you're introduced to captain rex as a not just a captain, so he's elevated in position, but also his armor is colored with some blue, uh, with some blue personalization, and you can tell that he has a respect of not only the clones that he's uh, in charge of, but also for Anakin. Yeah. So you, he immediately is elevated as a character beyond just a simple clone, and from that point on, short of Commander Cody, you can tell that the clone army, whether it be um, named characters or just sort of, you know, background fodder. And I wanted to sort of turn them as fodder, but you know what I mean? Like just the nameless clones in the background, they all yeah. follow him very, very strictly because they can sense that respect and his ingenuity as a leader. Yeah. Yeah. And he, um, uh, was kind of yoked to Ahsoka. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's cause the, it, the way that I see it, the, Jedi generals and the commanders of the clone army um, were kind of uh, a team. Mm. Okay, mm. so you'd have, you know, like, for example, you had Obi-Wan and Commander Cody. Right. And they were they were kind of a team with with that and kind of getting the um, uh, the military side from the general or the uh, commander. And um, and then the Jedi, um, you know, providing their input and, and their um, sort of insight with the uh, military input of the commanders. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having uh, both of those types of expertise was, you know, the idea behind, um, you know, planned victories. Right, right. And 
you know, I don't want to bring you know bring this episode into a Palpatine or the Palpatine uh, TM, um, <laughs> but you could see how his master plan of how the clones ingratiated themselves to the Jedi generals or the Jedi in general uh, as as a useful army, but a very unique and with special skills, they very quickly became a an elite fighting force behind the generals. And, okay, while the Jedi had their insight and their Jedi powers to sort of guide them through conflict, they had these fantastic... Uh, this fantastic army at their disposal to take care of their strategies. And in some cases, well, not just some, many cases, the clones actually outthought the Jedi from their pure uh, tactical intelligence and Mm -hmm. proved themselves to be better field tacticians than the the Jedi, which makes sense, of course, because the Jedi were never meant to be uh, such, you know, like they were never meant to be an army. They were meant to be the peacekeepers. So it really made sense. And that dichotomy between the two of them, while worked very well before Order 66, um, also then highlighted a lot of the potential uh, problem that could exist after it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think with the with the fact that they were um... – unknowingly uh, part of this Order 66 plan uh, when they're in battle day to day with these Jedi at their side you know leading them in the front lines they weren't you know up in some tent or tower somewhere you know Mm. telling them what to do they were fighting side by side with them so not only did the Jedi gain the clones respect uh, it was also the other way around yes where you know, you have that that brotherhood that is forged in those situations. You know, people people in the military are, are form a brotherhood, yeah. form a bond. Yeah, and that is, um, you know, not to go into hyperspace to a huge sidebar, but um, <laughs> that's part of the um, devastating effect of order 66 yeah when you have this um this steeped backstory through the animated series totally you don't you don't get that same impact from just watching the films and you know it's it's because of these bonds that they've they've fostered um on the battlefield yeah and yeah like you've said in the past where without the the depth of the Clone Wars series, when episode sorry when uh, Order sixty six happens in Episode three, that impact is night and day because you understand mm-hmm. the depth of which these characters have worked alongside the Jedi and that that pain. I mean that <laughs> beyond the physical side of the pain that betrayal <laughs> that betrayal perfectly said that you the depth is immediately felt and one of the many, many reasons why the uh, the Clone Wars uh, TV series, the animated series, is, is, is you know, uh, such an important part of enjoying the prequels. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so to kind of uh, get our hyperspace tracking back online um, and head back to Captain Rex. Yes, <laughs> the subject of this episode, yes. Right, right. right. I don't want to uh, deprive you of your... 
Rexpisode. Rexpisode. Yeah. So, uh, of course, as we heard in the uh, intro, he's uh, CT7567. And um, he presented himself as an elite clone from the start, and uh, which is why he had that field, uh, that field commission of captain. And he uh, displayed natural uh, and, you know, in inborn talents that obviously allowed him to raise that rank very quickly. And, you know, he proves himself to be obviously battle savvy. He's tough as nails, uh, respected by other clones, which is obviously very obvious throughout the entire series. And, but also like a really steadying influence where he had that ease of command where he was able to quickly assess a situation, determine the best plan of action, and calmly figure it out. And before he knew it, whether it's the clones or a Jedi behind him, they had escaped certain death or a precarious situation for sure. And, yeah. you know, um, not only that, he was resourceful, he was dedicated, courageous, and, you know, <laughs> quite honestly funny. Probably not intentionally, but his directness comes off as humorous, which is fantastic as well. <laughs> yes, yes. I think, and I think there's a certain amount of... Um of known humor in uh in bluntness <laughs> for sure i think even when uh you know again chronologically speaking when um uh, ahsoka comes on scene and is assigned to anakin there's the exchange between the two of them and even i think rex even finds it funny where um you know, she's already putting Anakin in his place, and here we got a, like a a Padawan <laughs> again. Yes. At this point, a field general of the Jedi who had gone through battles and it's like, oh, here's this uh, young little uh, Togruta who's uh, <laughs> putting um, Jedi General Skywalker in his place, and uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and Rex had a good time with that one. And I, you know. I think it's great how Yoda totally blindsided everyone with that one. Mm. Um, <laughs> yep. Where, where he's just like, hmm, here your new uh, Padawan is. And they're like, all right. <laughs> and Obi-Wan's like, but I already have a Padawan. <laughs> and he's like, hmm, not yours she is. And then Anakin's <laughs> like, uh, <Huh>? what? <laughs> Wait a minute. Whoa. Oh, no. Hit the brakes. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> here we go buckle up <laughs> <laughs> yeah so she totally gives him a run for his money and i think that that's that that's that's good for this series too because it kind of humanizes anakin more yes. as well yes and grounds and, him and yeah it gives perspective to not only him but also then to obi-wan and then from anakin's um apprenticeship for his new padawan then gives him perspective from his uh padawan ship if that's a word to obi-wan <laughs> yes padawan ship i guess that works padawan ship. Yes. <laughs> it's not a apprenticeship it's an apprenticeship it's a padawan ship right it's a similar in uh, yeah. many respects so oh my <laughs> oh my um, yeah. so uh yeah i think from the from the get-go he's kind of a um he's funny he's a bit of a uh a bit of a troublemaker in his own right, I think. <laughs> um, you know, because you you do have Commander Cody, who's is uh, you know obviously a professional. They're all professionals, but he's like, you know, by the book sort of. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. Um, 
uh, you know, battle-hardened leader type of guy, which, you know, works out great for Obi-Wan because he's he's very much the same way. <laughs> and, um, you know, with Anakin and Ahsoka both being kind of on the uh, fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants type, uh, that fits really well <laughs> with Rex. Yes. And, you know, you've got Commander Cody, who is the, like you said, the professional, but also then the uh, the clone trooper that Obi-Wan needed... But Captain Rex being the clone trooper that Anakin needed, where he was able to shift and move as quickly as Anakin's tactics did. And he didn't get yeah. he didn't get hung up with them, right? You know, like he was right. able to move quickly and and uh adapt to the situation. That just really proves how how well Captain Rex was really the perfect match for Anakin and it was so cool and not only that but then also to Ahsoka and as you know as we saw as their story progressed how integral the role of Captain Rex became to Ahsoka yeah was you know here's this child this teenager who is thrown in the middle of a galactic war as a padawan to Anakin You've got Captain Rex, who represents the military side of the of the flank that they're trying to direct in the proper way. So you've got the tension that not the tension, but oh, well, I guess in some cases tension between Ahsoka and Anakin as she's trying to learn his ways of working. And you've got uh, Rex, who is that bridge between the two of them. And from the moment they meet, like as I said before, where uh, he had a chuckle at uh, their introduction. Um, you know, you see Ahsoka testing that water where she says to him, you know, well, well, if, if I'm, if I'm a Jedi, I guess that makes me your, your, your commanding officer. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and Rex replies, of course, well, in, in my book, experience outranks everything. And <laughs> that really begins their relationship as yes. a, a give and take, but how quickly sparring partners. Yes, but how how they grew together was absolutely. Yeah. It's a wonderful transition, and as you see, and and especially when we get to Rebels, how yeah. close they became, and especially at the end of season seven uh, of the Clone Wars, it's it's unbelievable. Oh yes, um, yeah. So as you know, as the sixth of well, really five Clone Wars seasons progress, you really see that bond through screen time. Um, strengthened, mm-hmm. and yeah. with with him and Anakin, and him and um, Ahsoka and all. But you know he learns from them, and they learn from him. I think, mm-hmm. which is is the important part because you know you grow when you're open to new tactics, new ideas, and and things like that. And um, I think you know it's it's. Again, interesting to see all these clones with their same DNA, mm-hmm. but vastly different personalities. And some are, you know, um, like cocky and just like charge in without thinking and, you know, Han Solo types. And um, <laughs> and then and then there's others that are um, more calculated and more, you know, not, not necessarily um, – you know, in terms of risk taking, because they all t- 
took risks, obviously. Yes. But yeah. I think that uh, in terms of um, thinking things through before just charging through and all, it's, it's very interesting to see all those different personalities. And, um, you know, his obviously made for some some pretty significant growth through the series. Yes. Yeah. And brought bringing along the the uh, the clones under him. You know, what you know one point he calls he has a term uh, shinies. And <laughs> yep. you know how they like, shiny, sir. He says, "Yeah, your 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 armor is all nice and clean and shiny." And they hadn't seen battle yet. And as yep. the the Camino in um, assembly line, as it were, were pumping out the new clones, and they came on on board. And as training completed, they had to earn the respect of obviously not only their their commanding officer, but the rest of the clone army. And mm-hmm. with him, the, the, the clone army, <laughs> <laughs> where you know you have these these new recruits or these rookies, as they call them, coming in and trying to fit in to the established, uh, efficient fighting machine that had already become. And, of course, all the casualties and, and all those different things, you know, were constantly amassing. And we find out even about that, about the, you know, throughout the Clone Wars, some of the Jedi uh, had different opinions about the clones as fodder versus individuals, you know. And it's a very, very distinct characteristic between not not necessarily well the jedi were there for sure they had those different opinions but also secondary and tertiary commanders of the clones had oh well they're just expendable clones they're like robots you know not really yeah. having an opinion where they're actually humans and they were like considered more of uh of uh, an expendable asset yeah and that's you know Part of what the films do very effectively is to show the um, both of the sides, but they're really kind of the same. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got assembly lines of droids, right. just like you right. have the assembly lines of clones, mm-hmm. and how they're both manufactured for war. Yeah, and I think it's even you know in. Um, is it season seven of of Clone Wars, it's where they they the clones are kind of torn on the war because it's it's war and it's it's terrible and all, but if it weren't for the war, they wouldn't exist. Correct. That is it. Yes. And it's just yeah, it's very uh, it's Ahsoka it's, and Rex. Yes, they had that discussion about the friends that they had made, and we were bred for war, but um, yeah. the relationships he's made throughout the war, he wouldn't trade in. Right. And I think that um, is very much solidified in season seven when um, Order 66 takes place. And he fights every fiber of his newly activated programming to not shoot her because he very well could have. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, and if he hadn't had fought it so effectively, would have. Um, but then that whole, you know, the, the final arc of season seven, when they are, he's fighting against his brothers. Yes. For her sake. Yeah. Um, you know, with blasters to stun and all this, uh, whatever. Um, but still, he is 
protecting her against them. Yes. And that bond is is more than the bond that you would have with your, you know, your twin or your your clone brothers or even um, military brothers from from that. The, the strength of those bonds was trumped by the bond that he had forged with Ahsoka. Yeah. And, and go ahead. No, we, we, you can see that in the um, when they have that bond and he's, you know, the Order 66 has been enabled and you can see the clones on that command ship turn in, a, in an instant. And you see, like you said, Rex is holding his uh, DL-17s, you know, his two blasters, and he's struggling not to shoot Ahsoka. Yeah. And he tells her to go and find... Wait, is it fives? No, it's fives, right? Is it... Yeah, fives. Like, he yeah. T- like because he's got the key. Fives has right. the key to the uh, the chip that's inside of his brain from right. the Camino episode way back when. That yes. it's an implant. This is not their decision. It's a, it's a switch, as it were. And yeah. he implores her to go and find fives. And then, of course, the ensuing battle and how she escapes and, and, and she moves away from them. But even in that almost indeterminable switch, he still has the strength of character and his caring for Ahsoka and the Jedi to a larger degree that he sees through that and gives them a chance to understand where they're coming from. And this is not our choice. This is a, uh, well, a flaw <laughs> or a programmed chip that is forcing their will to turn on the yes. Jedi. Yeah, I think, um, and I think it's very, um, a, a very much a testament to his bond with her. Oh yeah, for sure. That he was able to, um, you know, buck that order, that ingrained order, and um, and not only prevent himself from shooting her, but to kind of uh, urge her to explore what's going on yeah and delve you know, further because uh, there's more to it yeah and how how frustrating it is as a viewer to um to watch um them no it was echo was the one that they um that they found okay it was seven. echo okay because because right. uh, fives was the first one that that um that went haywire mm. You know? But on Camino, it was fives where, um, right? Uh, which clone yeah, was it? And yeah, and how and how frustrating it is as a viewer to see how close they came to figuring it out ahead of time. Right, and they and, didn't. Yeah, you know, obviously it's 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 almost the same feeling you have when watching Order sixty six and knowing that. This is going to happen because it has to happen in order for the rest of the chips to fall into place Correct. for this story. Right. So it's like, you know, you want them to find this out ahead of time and, and know to remove the chips. But then you know that if that happens, then Order 66 doesn't happen, which, you know, happens. So, <laughs> so it's like it's very frustrating because you as a viewer are like, oh, man, I wish. But then if that happened, then. 
Star Ep- Wars wouldn't be Star Wars. What it is. And then it's just not good Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dave. But uh, you bring up a great point where... All right. Well, before we get to that part, we're going to take a quick break. All right. We got to pay those bills. Yes. And we'll come back and... We'll explore the next part of his uh, story, life, and career. Correct. Good morning, Jeff. The usual? Nah, not this morning, Dex. I had a bad Ronto rap last night, and my stomach is killing me now. Sorry to hear that. We're not in but two, you know. Does your stomach feel like you've eaten a bunch of death sticks? Trust Galactus Seltzer to ease heartburn faster than a Neju. Wow. I feel great, Dex. Thanks. You want that calf to go? Yes, please. I'm ready to take on those rebels. Galactus Seltzer. Always the one. No more, no less. Results not guaranteed. And we're back. And we're back. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So um, I guess we'll get right back into it and, um, and we'll kind of see where things go next for Rex. Perfect. The point you brought up about how Ahsoka and Rex sort of survived that period on the ship, got off the ship, and then landed on that planet. And then, of course, we have that really, really emotional scene at the end of the burial scene, and we got the the clone helmets, and they arranged them. And just the... Yes. It's so, it's so impactful, especially after so many years, but also after what they've just been through the last arc, you get that further bond between these two characters that you, it's not, they're going about their business unspoken to a certain degree, but you can just tell the weight of the scene and just how, I guess, empty of emotion they are at this point. And she knows that basically everyone on the ship is dead. They rescued what they could of the, of the clone bodies. Rex is, is from her perspective, one of the last surviving clones. And from Rex's perspective, one of the last surviving Jedi. Um, I don't know that they're um, empty of emotion. I think it's the opposite. I feel like um, even though they were really hunted down for being a Jedi and a Jedi sympathizer, um, and all of the clones were, you know, gunning for them, uh, no pun intended, um, they still honored them because they still had respect for them and the history they had together. So, you know, the the burial of the clones was not only to kind of signal that Ahsoka and Rex were both, you know, presumed dead, but because it honored it honored the fallen. Right. And and it um you speaks to their characters, Rex as a military man and, and you know, um, making sure that his brothers were honored, um, you know, dying in battle, even if it's against him. Um, <laughs> and, and Ahsoka's uh, bond not only, not only with Rex, but with the clones in general. Before the Order 66 uh, took place, they were, you know, brothers in arms and they were... Mm. They had each other's backs, and they were close for the entirety of the Clone Wars. Mm. So, 
I think that that um, speaks to their character, the fact that they took the time to do that, especially knowing that they were possibly still being hunted. You know, right. because that right. it was more important for them to take the time to do that than to just cut and run. Cut and run. Yeah, I think yeah. probably the better word was drained, not empty, but like drained, just like yeah, the, okay. Um, because yeah. you could tell even before you know when um, she did remove Rex's chip, and the conscious choice of setting uh, their blasters to stun and to not uh, kill the mm-hmm. clones because she had spent her you know most of her young life with them um, speaks to the the way that she saw the clones as opposed to some of the other members, whether it's the Jedi or other generals in certain respects where um, they were seen as people. She saw them as people versus just, you know, um, heartless. Tools. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting to see the, um, the parallels and the deviations between her and Maul. Because in that scene, they're both trying to achieve the same goal. They're both trying to leave and, um, you know, escape. Mm-hmm. So it's they're both trying to achieve the same goal, but they're going about it in entirely different ways. He's leaving a path of destruction and death and, and you know, anger in his wake. And, um, and she is doing everything she can to not kill. Right. You know, just to like like ensuring that, you know, any damage that's done or any injury that's done is temporary to the clones because she doesn't doesn't want to hurt them. And it's not worth um, whatever you may gain in terms of like, uh, you know, escape at the cost of, you know, killing clones. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. not worth it to her. Right. Which which I think really speaks to the the um two sides of the force the light side and the dark side very cool but um yeah so uh you know that's that dissertation but <laughs> then um you know so after that innovator comes and and sees her sabers and the and the buried troops and all and, and assumes i guess that she um didn't make it, which was was her plan anyway. Right. Hers and Rex's plan. Right. Um, so then she goes and, uh, you know, joins some rebels and all, and uh, gives them as Fulcrum gives them some intel um, in the in the rebels television show um, about uh, some contacts that she knows that might have some intel on potential places. To set up a uh, rebel basis. Get it on Celos. Uh-huh. And so um, Kanan, who was part of Order 66 and an exiled Jedi, um, goes to find these uh, contacts and <laughs> sees that they're clone troopers. <laughs> and he's uh, he's not happy about it. No, he's not. He's not happy about it at all. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's uh, it makes um, for... Some some comedy because like Kanan's like, are we seriously doing this? Like these guys killed all my people I cared about and now you want me to trust them? Um, but since it is those guys, it's, you know, Rex and 
Wolf and Gregor. And those guys were important to Ahsoka and she knew that they were safe and knew that she could, you know, connect those two dots and, and help out the rebellion. We're not quite sure how much contact that Ahsoka had with um, Rex after the events in the Clone Wars, but she trusted them enough that she could point them in the right direction to go and speak to them for star charts to find a potential new base. As typical and as usual, he's the leader of the these three remaining clones, at least on Celos, and you know, Wolf and Gregor, you know, they're stable enough, but you can tell, again, just Rex, how he's grounded and they're surviving as they are. Yes, well, he does have he does have a, a bit of a different appearance. Yes, um, for sure. You know, he's, he's got the beard now. Yeah. And, uh, and like, parts of the armor, which is like <laughs> the middle section didn't fit right. I mean, let's be honest. So he's just like, oh, do away with this. So um, he still has the chest piece and the uh, and the forearm pieces. So I mean, I guess he's protected ish. Um, <laughs> ish. But, yeah. So they're like in retirement. You know, they're just chilling on this walker like it's a treehouse. And uh, you know, they go out fishing for like Zilla beasts and all, and uh, <laughs> just kind of just kind of doing their thing. You know, yeah. laying low and just kind of. It's, it reminds me almost of like um, like one of those like VA clubs where like all the old <laughs> veterans hang out. <laughs> They're like throwing darts and like just just hanging out. That's what these guys are doing. Well, just of course, hanging out. Yeah, and along come these these rebels and uh, sent to them. And they're like, oh no, not another war. And not only that, <laughs> but also like Jedi. I mean. When Kanan reveals himself as a Jedi, Rex, as you see, is a very, not old school, but very much appreciating the, the tactics that he learned, especially when he goes on the mission with Kanan uh, and he puts, he dons the, uh, the stormtrooper armor and, uh, <laughs> and how, you know, just again, comedic that point is, but still having the ability to uh, use his training for improvisation uh, within the battle and um still keeping the uh the spirit of what he learned before in the new empire and like you said not not reluctant but also you know he's more at this point helping uh, Ahsoka and friend of Ahsoka's is a friend of mine and that's i guess essentially the uh the mantra in that sense and it was obviously when they have their reunion you get the feeling that it had been a while since they had seen each other. They may have been communicating, maybe through through hollows or whatever, but that hug is so genuine. And it's like it's it's rare for a animated series to really bring a lump to your throat. I mean, Rebels did it really well, of course, especially with the yeah, finale. The Star Wars animated series are uh, yeah, fantastic. They're fantastic. Fantastic. But that one itself was uh, I haven't seen that particular episode since the end of the Clone Wars season seven, and I'm sure that that impact would be, you know, exponentially more uh, emotional to see it. Well, and and as the viewer too, you see them last when Ahsoka leaves the Order. Okay, so you know that was several years prior to when Rebels came out. Mm. So. By the time you're seeing it, 
as a as a viewer of the show, it has been a long time. Right. And so when you see them reunited, it's it's you feel what they're feeling as well because it's not like oh this show ended last year and now oh here they are several years later meeting back up. It had been several years. Right. Right. In like Earth time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yes. So rotations, so rotations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, it's it's that impact is felt very effectively by the viewer as well as as the characters. But then, you know, he ends up helping them out, and uh, and he's a little he's a little more more free, a little more wild than he was when he was um, <laughs> when he was the you know clone captain. Right, part of the five hundred first, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he didn't have to fall in line because right. I mean. He wasn't military anymore, so he could do whatever he wanted. Survivalist like fish, more. Fish for Zillabies. <laughs> Thank God for uh, Zeb. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for him, they never would have caught no. that thing. They'll eat for a year with that one. <laughs> yeah, and he was like, all right, let's cook this sucker up. And they have, like, a feast. I love it. Um, yeah, so then, um, as far as Rex's look... That kind of sets up some other stuff, too. Oh, yeah. So, originally, when the uh, Return of the Jedi came out, that one rebel that we see alongside the bunker... Nick Sant. Right, Nick Sant. Right, right, right. Um, mm-hmm. Was never identified as Rex. As Nick Sant. As anyone. <laughs> and <laughs> retroactively... Especially based on his look, like see, you just see, said. That's when the figure came out. They had to name it something because that's the, the, all, all the characters in Star Wars that were like tertiary didn't get names until there was a figure. Right. And they were like, "Wow, we gotta sell this one. Uh, what do we call him? Ah, uh, we call this one Hammerhead, and we call this one what's it? Uh, Therm Scissor Punch or whatever the hell his name <laughs> yeah. is. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but that's that's the truth. So you know, I, I don't know if there's a figure of Nick Sant. If there is, we need to get him. Well, um, if not, we'll make him. <laughs> right, exactly. After we get Rex. Ah. Right. Uh, Rex. But yeah, so um, so people were like, this dude looks a lot like how Rex ended up looking. Mm-hmm. Which is probably pretty intentional on behalf of the um, Rebels team. Yes. You know, I feel like they wanted to kind of tie it into later and... Um, it's, it's 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 effective, um, yeah. but then you know some people were like that's not him, that's Nick Sand, and so they were like, well, okay, fine, yeah. So that's Nick Sand, but Rex was still there. Yeah, we just may not have seen him on screen. Right, and if you which got is fine, right, but if you got Dave Filoni insinuating that that very well could be Rex on Andor, and the timeline fits, you pretty much buy into that. That that's a very cool outcome. And you'd love to see that his skill and his uh, tactics have made it through. He's alive, first of all, and that he made it through to the Battle of Endor, which is quite cool. And not only that, you also see members of the Ghost Crew also at the Battle of Endor, namely Hera and Jason. Jason, yeah. Jason Syndulla, yeah. So it Uh, all fits that way. I think it's... um... I think it's great because, you know, he's a soldier. And 
when he gets the opportunity to fight again. You know, obviously he's kind of in hiding when um, the Empire was uh, forming, and um, and then he um, he did uh, you know he did end up rejoining the fight, but on the right side. Not only you know did he fight with the rebels, but he kind of it can be assumed that he kind of knew some of the tactics that the empire was using because, you know, he was in the, you know, beta version of the empire. Mm-hmm. So right, right. it's like, you know, he would, he would be a great asset to them um, as sort of an inside man as well. Right. Right. Which is, I mean, it's, it's, it's great because it gets him back to, you know, out of retirement and it gets them, uh, some some really useful intel, which I'm sure helped with the success of the uh, Battle of Endor. Right, right. And for animated series and film series, that's the end of Rex as we know it. As we know it, yeah. Um, I uh, don't think we talked about um, our real-life Rex experience um, at Star Wars Celebration. Chicago. No, we didn't. No, I think that bears mentioning. Um, <laughs> so, so we clowned around quite a bit <laughs> when we were uh, at Celebration Chicago, and um, you know, with our different um, cosplays of the day each day, um, we went around to you know the whole show floor and took. Pictures upon pictures with people we thought were cool and people who thought we were cool and um, and the uh, remember the, uh, <laughs> the the black series box we did the, the stand yes. like with action figures <laughs> <laughs> everybody else is doing like cool poses and we're like we're still in the bubble packaging <laughs> like dorks <laughs> that's perfect but, yeah yeah it works uh, it's like you gotta have the saber on the side because that's how it goes right um, but uh, so. So, you know, we did all that, and uh, we kept finding our way to the 501st um, booth. Naturally. Station, um, as it were, one of the 501st stations. And um, it was really cool because um, I think it was one of the – it was maybe the first day this guy was in the Captain Rex um, armor. Yeah. Yeah, and like, but he had his helmet off, mm-hmm. and like he had the real buzz cut hair, and just lo- had like a, a very almost Tamara Morrison look to his face yes. as well. Yes, which you, which the the clones in the show are kind of designed after after him because of course designed after Django. So, um, I mean, he was like incredible. Um, so then every time we came back. Every day in different outfits. <laughs> he was there, but in like his 501st garb and all, you know, so it was like, all right, cool. You know, so he's, you know, we're chatting him up and everything. And he was like, oh, you guys look cool. And we're like, you're 501st. You're better than us. <laughs> and, um, which, I mean, they would never say that because they're, they're awesome people. But, um, I mean, who are we kidding? <laughs> so, uh, you know, then they did the, um, so we had seen him in his, like, 501st shirt and yeah. um so he saw us in our in our um 
outfit of the day. So then it was the day for the running of the Wilrow Hoods. And <laughs> so they're all running past us. And this one stops, which like is surprisingly out of character because they don't stop in the movie. That's not canon. And um, and he's like, he's like, do I look familiar? And I'm like, is this a trick question? Because you're that guy from Empire that has the ice cream maker and like. And there's runs 25 away. of you all over the place. <laughs> yeah, it's like I just saw 50 of you run past. I mean, I don't. Is this a joke? I don't. And so so I said something along the lines of. Um, yeah, you kind of look like some guy I know from Cloud City, you know, like <laughs> keeping it in universe. But like since he had stopped, he pulled up his wig and showed his, his, his you know, yeah, his hair yeah. and all. And I was, and his and like he still had the mustache on, but like it was, you know, obviously. <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh, it's, it's Rex from the 501st. And, uh, you know, and he like high fives us, almost dropped his ice cream maker, but then like he ran off. And we're like, what a cool dude. Yes. And um, and he was like the living, breathing Captain Rex. Yes. He was that close. He had the accent down. And uh, we got a picture of him with him, of course. There's that one shot we have of all three of us together. Um, yes. Yeah. And we were wearing – that was the day where we got the picture with him was when we were doing um, Cad Bane and, um, <laughs> and uh, Hondo. So yes. perfectly timed, perfectly timed. Of course it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, that was the the only live action sort of uh, Captain Rex that that we've ever uh, experienced. Correct. And it was um, it was fantastic, yeah. and uh, he was super cool, and you know, uh, exceedingly generous, like all those guys are. They're fantastic, yeah. uh, and gals, because yes. there's gals in there. But um, and he was yeah, so. I mean, it's just just uh, so so cool and appreciative of of everybody. You know, yes. people that came to take pictures with him, like uh, with the set of the stuff, and it just just very very in it for the right reasons, which right. is all of them. But it's very cool to see. Yeah, and he thoroughly appreciated what we were doing, and he recognized <laughs> us as each day as we went on and as our different outfits, and he. Every time we happened to be in the same vicinity, he picked us out and he was like, guys, you look awesome. I mean, it was just for us as well as, you know, as you said, we're not 501st, but we certainly have fun and uh, we do the best we can with the with the stuff that we have and we're pretty dang good. But um, for him to be part of the 501st, he can see our excitement and our fandom. And that was great, not just validation, but it's also great to hear from someone who has, you know, not film quality, but like. 501st quality stuff, appreciating what we're doing, that's that's high praise. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is, it was uh, <laughs> certainly, uh, certainly interesting, Yeah, <laughs> to say the least. So, Tamora Morrison, of course, is rumored to be in uh, season two of Mando. And he is, yeah. yes. So... You know, of course, it's all rumors, and we've heard quite a bit of rumors. I don't know. It was on the internet, so, I mean... Right, right. It's definitely true. Right. What was he's it? playing all the clones. He's come, He's bringing Jango Fett back from the dead, and he's going to play Boba Fett while he's at it. And I hear that he might play Aquaman's dad in Mando 2. I don't know. In one episode. <laughs> right. All in one episode. <laughs> Yeah. 
course. <laughs> so, you know, oh, that would be cool, obviously, if he plays uh, Rex. Uh, we're not quite sure, obviously, um, what's, what's going to be uh, part of it. But the, you know, in the cadence of the rumors that we've heard, Tamir Morrison was mentioned quite early in the, uh, the rumors of uh, uh, actors who were part of season two. Uh, I think mm-hmm. right after um, the actress who's meant to be playing uh, Ahsoka. Um, Rosario Dawson. There you go. So that connection right there. Ashley Eckstein. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so we're not quite sure. Who knows what's going to happen? If it's a flashback, is it a in-universe at, at the same timeline? We're not quite sure. But So that's what we could be seeing uh, with Rex. I think, I think his arc from what we've seen has uh... – incredible amounts of growth and humanity to a you know nameless faceless carbon copy start Mm. you know and that's that's exactly how they're presented in the film is these are just like somebody put Django in a xerox and here they are yeah and and that's you know it's intended to be like that but you know and and most armies are very effective in that is just looking like a legion of, you know, destruction Mm -hmm. if need be. Right. And, um, so it's very effective at that. But when you get down on the front lines and, and into that sort of more intimate portrayal, you see, uh, the depth to which his character grows and develops and um you know of course if it weren't for that development um then i'm sure that he would have just followed already 66 just like everyone else so i think it's really um a very cool arc to watch his his entire character arc and um if that's all there is to it i'm fine with that right been awesome in preparation for this episode we put out a, a Twitter question about Captain Rex and what people felt about him and, and uh, their preferred Rex. Like, are you a fan of uh, the Clone Wars or the Rebels? And we got a lot of response to it. It shows that Rex, as a clone, sure, is a great character, but also shows the depth, the depth that his character achieved. And I'd just like to read out a couple of, uh, of mentions that we had. Um, Ken Collins, uh, Ken underscore Collins underscore O one, uh, replied that um, you know you have to learn. Talking about a, a quotes from uh, from Rex, you have to learn to make your own decisions, and uh, that was important to him. And rule the galaxy, another podcast, because uh, I had used the picture of a young Rex versus an older Rex, like Rebels versus Clone Wars. And uh, Rule the Galaxy said, you know, love them both, lean towards Clone, War- Clone Wars version, where we first meet him, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Lukey, or, well, we read it as Lukey because it's Luke, but uh, it's probably Lucky. And uh, that's at, at Captain <laughs> Margaret. <laughs> um, he, she, I'll say she, because it's Captain Margaret, said, I love it when he gets frustrated with the Stormtrooper helmet and uses it as quite an effective projectile. And uh, it's so true. That episode's <laughs> such a fantastic episode. And she also mentioned that she loves the levity that he brought because uh, when he's putting on the Stormtrooper armor, it's a little bit ill-fitting. <laughs> uh-huh. And yeah, he's trying yeah, to yeah. shove it. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> and as she, uh, as she put it, she said... Um, um, levity because Rex uh, has seen some shiz and you see the, the screen capture is um, is him trying to fit the uh, 
the uh, the butt part of the uh, stormtrooper armor over his butt, so it's pretty good. <laughs> and uh, Mitsubishi Zero replied with um, one of the favorite moments of Rex was when they confirmed that, of course, he was uh, in the Return of the Jedi, and uh, the picture is is, um, is Clone War is uh, Rebels Rex sitting beside the picture of the rebel uh, on Endor. So, yeah, it just goes to show that, you know, um, that Rex as a character, more than just a soldier, has really resonated with Star Wars fans, and it's a fantastic thing to see. I like um, Rebels Rex because I've seen him in Galaxy's Edge, which is very exciting. (laughs) He is pretty cool in Galaxy's Edge. It's a yeah. very unique experience, wasn't he? There opening day, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I and I and I saw him with a um, with a Tegruta. Right. Um, they were uh, they were um, trying to avoid any um, imperial entanglements. Yes. <laughs> and um, they were unsuccessful. Yeah. <laughs> unsuccessful indeed. Yes. Um, at what four thirty in the morning? Yes. They got that. They. She was she was uh, marched away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which um, you know may have been really one of the very very first interactions that the first order troopers in Galaxy's Edge probably had with a, with a especially with a cosplay character. Yeah, and and especially with a Togruta because the headpieces are so <laughs> difficult to make. <laughs> Um, and and make look good. Yes. Because it's it's easy to make it look terrible. But um, <laughs> so I think a lot of people are just like, no, nope, it's not worth it. But my kid uh, doesn't understand what goes into things like that and says, I need it. I need it now. Right. So, you do it. So I make it. I make it now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, so that's um, I think that's my favorite because because uh, you're Rebels Rex. Yes. <laughs> Right now. Right now, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we will post that picture, or one of those pictures at least, as part of the uh, yeah, as part of yeah, the yeah, uh, yeah. artwork for this uh, episode. So, yes, um, yeah. So I guess um, since this is our Rex episode, I think that um, that he needs to close us out. I'm a practical man. But as I've learned from my Jedi Generals, may the Force be with you, always.